Welcome to the First Podcast, a podcast of First Baptist Church Lake Butler, where the pastors gather to encourage and equip our church to engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome, everybody. We're, we're here today with all three pastors, First Baptist Church Lake Butler. Let's say hi. Hey, this is Stephen Wells, worship pastor and the guy who go gets donuts. And this is Pastor Jason, and I am the senior pastor at First Baptist, and this will make 15 years that I've had the privilege of serving in this capacity, and we're excited to have our first first podcast. Yeah, and the guy you heard starting us off is, go ahead. Yeah, my name is Pastor Jonathan Wright. Uh, coming up on three years being here this is awesome. And I am at 14 years. That's, yeah. It's a lot. A lot of wisdom represented in you two. Um, so today we're going to talk about why we do a podcast. Why do we need this format? Why is this helpful? I just looked up a statistic and there are apparently over 2 million podcasts wow. in the world, at least. So why should we add another one to the plethora of podcasts? What do you guys think? Great question. Pastor Jason? Yeah. Well, this is something that we have wanted to do for months now and COVID kind of interrupted us being able to get started. And I just remember us really looking for an opportunity and a platform to be able to discuss things with our congregation that we just weren't able to cover uh, completely in a sermon or in announcements. And, you know, really back when we were shepherding the church through uh Black Lives Matters, critical race theory, intersectionality, and everything that was going on in culture then, and just wanting to have an opportunity to be able to to share some thoughts throughout the week. And, and just to add to that, even when we were going through COVID and just wanting to communicate things to the, the church, this would give us an opportunity to do that. And then um, there are some other reasons as well, but maybe y'all speak to that. Yeah, and I hope that our congregation, so hopefully those that are listening, uh, sees this as just what Pastor Jason said. We really want an, an opportunity to kind of huddle up with our congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope that encourages you, the listener, because uh, you should know that your pastors want more time with you and want to talk about more things and and uh, go in more depth uh, to different topics, like Pastor Jason's already said. So uh it's sort of um, casual, but definitely with a purpose. Um, so yeah, and we're we're um, the, also just a different category. When when I preached through the Book of Ephesians, um, I was doing the exposition on Sunday morning, and then doing extras from Ephesians on Wednesday night, uh, just to go deeper and to expound on you know theological truths that we're just really impacting our congregation, Ephesians chapter 1, and this would have provided an opportunity for us to just come in and do Q&A and, and continue to, to uh, shepherd and, and teach the congregation. And now we're in Genesis 1, and I think I just completed the fifth message on Genesis 1, and, and I feel like I could just talk for hours on what we've covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the staff meets weekly, and we uh, another reason why this podcast is here is we would uh, obviously talk about what's been taught and preached uh, the previous Sunday or in BFG, and we would 
talk for 20, 30 minutes. And then one of us would say, man, I wish our congregation could hear this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's why we're here. So kind of pulling back the curtain in a way, but also we're going to use this as a format for um, things that we just feel are important to talk about, things we feel are helpful for our congregation to know. And this is for you, First Baptist Church, for, for the listeners that we have in our congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to try to beat Desiring God or TGC's podcast or anything, but we want this to be particularly focused for our congregation. So yeah, let's talk about your reading break, Jason. You recently had a few weeks where you took time to um, just really dive deep into some theological stuff to take a little bit of a, of a Sabbath there from the regular routine of preparation. Um, maybe let's just start with, like, why do that? What's important about a, a reading break? Why, why even take some time? Um, is this just normal vacation? Is this, does this have a specific purpose? And, uh, yeah, what, what did that look like for you? Sure. I think this is good to talk about because I don't think many pastors do it. Um, I don't think many churches give their op- their pastors an opportunity to have a reading break, at least not in the churches that I've been a part of or been associated with. And I think it is a tremendous blessing to the primary teaching pastor Um I do want to commend our church, our congregation. I think it is a sign of maturity in seeing the importance of the spiritual well-being of the pastor as well as his, abil- his um, ability to be able to stay fresh in the pulpit. So uh, why a reading break is essential is because weekly you, I'm putting out at least two expositions a week. Um, we could do a whole podcast on on how that process takes place, but you, you're talking three to five days of preparation, and you just don't really have the opportunity to read outside of what you're studying and preaching to your congregation. And so this gives me an opportunity to be able to devotionally pour myself into uh, some some reading and some books that are out there, as well as being able to study some topics that are relevant to where the church is and and shepherding um, the church in our culture. Yeah. So how did you pick what topic or or like what did you end up landing on uh, with like what to study and how to use that time? Well, again, I mentioned devotionally because um, I feel like the pulpit is an expression of what God is doing in your heart personally. Certainly the exposition drives, but um, what is it that Piper calls preaching um, expository exaltation? And that exaltation comes from your devotional life and what you're learning about God and what you're learning about the text and what Mm -hmm. you're doing in the text. But um, I personally just wanted to study the character of God. And I felt like an area that I wanted to focus on was the doctrine of the Trinity. And I'd had some good resources pointed out to me. And so I began with Michael Reeves' book, Delighting in the Trinity. And man, after a week of reading that and having to go back and read it through again, I purchased like three more books from him, kind of on the same subject, listened to podcasts by him. And 
it just filled my soul with worship and a fresh view of who God was. And there's nothing that propels ministry and the preaching ministry like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then that, that turned into what, three or four weeks of sermons on the Trinity? Yeah, I hadn't planned on doing that. It was just such overflow that when I came back, well, let me, let me just lay this out real quick. So what we did, what the church asked me to do slash assigned me to do, and I say that because it's hard for a pastor to take a break like that. You feel guilty. Uh, it To some degree, you don't want people to feel like you're being lazy, which I promise you, if you're doing a reading break, you're not being lazy. Uh, but we took the front end. We took the month of July by recommendation of the leaders in the congregation. And the first week uh, was just for reading. And then we had our regular two weeks of vacation that um, our family takes in July. And then there was a week at the end uh, for reading break as well. So I focused on devotionally the, the doctrine of the Trinity but also focused on, I read Vody Bauckham's book, um, Fault Lines, so that, that, that I would continue to equip myself in the social justice realm, critical race theory, uh, intersectionality, and how it's impacting the church, because you've got to be able to lead your congregation in how to think biblically in those areas as well. So um, that's why I chose what I chose and then it did overflow into a sermon series, um, um, especially, specifically the study on the doctrine of the Trinity. And I'll add one more thing. After seeing um, God as Trinity and what the Lord showed me through His Word in that, I came back to leaders in the church and asked them to go through the book with me because this is a view of God that not only I want to uh, enjoy and you as pastors to enjoy, but our leaders to enjoy, and it just become the DNA of our church that God is, in essence, Trinity, and what does that mean? And Stephen, you've joined the group too. I have. Do you? Uh, has this kind of been a... a I don't know, reshaping experience or like, has this changed some of your view on who God is? Sure. Sure. Um, now we're just at present day, we're only, uh, just now working or working toward discussion of chapter two of the delighting in the Trinity book. So still very new, uh, to it, but, but yes, um, I hate to be general, but it, it's, it's overwhelming to read even just the introduction in the first chapter and realize, man, I'm really missing this grand picture and this this huge, if you could say, um, big view or macro view of the Lord and all of his glory um, and that being triune, being part of that. Uh, it really does. It, it shifts your focus. It shifts how you your your lenses, how you're looking through things. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask um, just to help um, the congregation and myself connect dots. Now you had already, Pastor Jason, you'd already chosen to start um, Genesis like months ago, right? Mm-hmm. So you take the reading break, you read the book. 
um, on the Trinity. Um, and I remember listening to the first sermon. I was coming back from the Sing Conference um, that Sunday, or, or going to the Sing Conference, listening to the first sermon on Genesis. And you started with a big, heavy dose of the Trinity. Um, so how were you anticipating your study in Genesis to start with that huge uh, building block of the triune God? I wish I could say that I was and that it was on purpose. Sure, sure. But honestly, it wasn't. I had um, It had been on my heart for quite some time to just want to focus on God. And, and particularly, the Trinity was just the, the doctrine that I wanted to grow in. And so I definitely consider it providence that God took me through those weeks of studying the Trinity in preparation for seeing um, the Trinitarian work in creation. And that that's... Mm-hmm. We could definitely expand upon that, but um, yeah, it definitely went hand in hand, and that's just God's kindness and goodness to His people. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, just in answering your question, Jonathan, um, a little more specifically, um, when I personally got introduced 10, 12 years ago to um, more like-minded authors like John Piper and um, Tim Keller and reading things and from them and hearing, starting to hear things from the pulpit, uh, like God is God centered, Mm -hmm. you know, God is, um, the most loving thing God can do is give us more of himself, things like that. Um, and so I wanted to share a little quote from chapter two of this book that has helped me even this much time later, help me think practically through that. You know, I've even seen some blog articles titled like, is God egocentric or you know, how can God be God-centered? And just a little quote uh, you for you, the listener. This is from chapter two of Delighting in the Trinity. The Father loved him, speaking of Jesus, before the creation of the world. And the reason the Father sends him is so that the Father's love for him might be in others also. That is why the Son goes out from the Father in both creation and salvation, that the love of the Father for the Son might be shared. Yes. Mm. And that's, and I, maybe I've gotten this out of order. I know we, you asked me a question, I answered it generally. Pastor Jason shared a second, a, a few thoughts. But, but for me, this is, this is grounding for this is why my hope is in Jesus. This is why... Uh, the most loving thing God can do is extend himself to man through the person of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, just practically, it helps me in my thinking last night during family devotions, just in the back of my mind, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Jesus. Let us see Jesus more clearly. May my children and myself love him uh, more deeply, for he is the son of God, the treasure of God. Yeah, and I've, I've always felt like uh, the Trinity is one of those topics uh, that's kind of like when you go to a fancy restaurant, you get this like six-page menu, and you know there are things in French or Italian or something, and you're just like, I don't know. What restaurants are you going to, listen, Jonathan? Come on, man. And, and you just stick with me. 
And you don't want to say the wrong thing. And so you end up just picking something that is familiar to you. You're like, I don't know, I guess there's the mac and cheese or something. Right, right, right. You miss out on something that that could be potentially just really good. Um, and in scripture, of course, we know if we miss out on God, we, we will miss out on something good. And and so kind of that like danger I've felt of saying the wrong thing about God, like is Jesus mm. in the son? How, how is God the father to Jesus? Like, you know, it doesn't mean he like had Jesus as his son. You know, like there are all these kind of like ways of talking about the Trinity that we know aren't right and church history proves that. But I do think that this is just so helpful for us to be thinking clearly about who God is, learning these categories that have that are rooted in Scripture and then time-tested by the church, and, uh, yeah, helpful for us to expand our view of God. Yeah, and I would like to comment there maybe just a statement or two on what what did I take away from that, that study. And there's a lot that I could say. But just to see that God is Trinity. So I opened up the the sermon series by asking the congregation, who is God? And many, and and Michael Reeves talks about this. Uh, We would say God is creator. And the answer would be yes, but no. Mm -hmm. Because Reeves is arguing if God is creator, then he must have a creation to be who he is. But God existed before creation. So in his essence, that is not who he is. And we made a couple other examples, but finally we said how the Bible has revealed who God is in essence. He is Trinity. Apart from a creation, apart from anyone or anything to rule over. He is Father, Son, and Spirit, and has eternally existed in joyful, abounding Trinitarian fellowship. And that fellowship overflowed into creation, and God created a Son There is the uncreated son who has always imaged God, and they have fellowshiped in the spirit. But God created a son, Adam and Eve, um, in the overflow of this delight that they might know his love for the son. And essentially, Adam and Eve were invited into eternal Trinitarian fellowship. That's the glory of of man. That's what we were created for. That's what we were brought into. And that's why I say understanding who God is and then seeing you were brought into that Trinitarian fellowship changes everything. Mm. Man, it it makes it so rich. And again, family devotions last night, we were going through the um, application questions from our BFG lesson this past Sunday morning. So if you don't know, every Sunday we send out that quick cast link for the day's resources. In that link is a Gospel Project at Home uh, resources to help you discuss the lesson that you went through and that your children went through. Anyway, so one of the youth, one of the questions for youth, uh, which I have in my home, was, um, so, so how does, how do you live for Christ 
while others are living in sin. And I was drawing from what we're talking about, the glory of Christ made manifest, um, or the glory of God made manifest in the person of Jesus, and how that is our motivation, how that our heart should be drawn in worshipful surrender. Uh, As I'm trying to have a a spiritual conversation with my teenage son, you know, uh, and my uh, daughter's home from college for the, for a few days, and so, you know, this is a huge question that they're facing every day. How do you live uh, for Christ while others are walking in sin? Mm-hmm. And so, just to be able to pick up some of those pieces from um, from the Triune God and His um, great love for us because we've been placed in Christ. Yeah. So, so when you're fighting sin. Um, when you're striving to live for the glory of God or, or overcome sin, you know which is going to be more powerful or mo- mm-hmm. more motivating? Looking at the law and saying I have to change, mm. or looking at the sin in my in myself and trying to muster the power to overcome that, or looking and saying I was created right to be in fellowship with the eternal trinitarian mm. god he loves me the way he loves his son mm. do i want to enjoy that fellowship more than i want to enjoy sin do mm-hmm. i want to enjoy that fellowship um or be broken from that fellowship and let me just add one piece there so so mankind was created in an overflow of the father's love for the son that it might um be poured out or expanded that he might bring many sons into the fellowship and then mankind rejected that mm-hmm. um, that's what we know as sin that's what we know as fall and uh, the fallen and, and God would have been right and just to let us have our own way and to be separated from him but the gospel is that God even though we were rebelling and we were enemies and, and warring against his desire for us, he pursued us. And he sent his son, obviously, we know, to come live a righteous life on our behalf, die for our sins, rise again, that we might be reconciled to him and brought back into that eternal Trinitarian fellowship. So what it means to be a Christian right now is I, I have that again. And I want myself and I want our congregation to say, that is better than anything the world has to offer. And if you don't have that lens of the Trinity and that fellowship and the Father's delight and the Son, then you miss the true motivation of the gospel in overcoming sin. Amen. I wanted to throw out this little just a little encouragement. So maybe you're listening to this, and if you were honest with yourself, you might say, you know, I haven't been approaching these sermons on Sunday mornings with this kind of sobriety and, and this kind of uh, sincerity of heart. Um, or you maybe you've missed some Sundays. Let me encourage you. Go to our website, fbclakebutler.com. There's a listen tab. I believe this series started on Sunday, September 12th. 
And uh, so go back and listen. Fill in the blanks of what you've missed. Or maybe, you know, there was just a sunny morning you struggled to pay attention. Um, Go back and listen and approach this uh, with this is a huge opportunity to grow in your walk with Christ Mm -hmm. and your love for the Lord and your awe and worship of him. Um, And, you know, uh, this may sound trite, but it is life changing. And so we want you, our congregation, to be a part of uh, every step of that process. So let me just encourage you to go back and, and listen, get caught up. We're not too far down the road that you can't do that. And, uh, We'd love to have you along for this spiritual journey. Jonathan, I want to go all the way back real quick to your original question. Why a reading break? And why is it important? And everything that we just talked about in the last 10 minutes or so was just a brief overflow of that reading break that's not only in me, the the preaching pastor, but now it's overflowing into our lives as pastors of the church and others who are now reading the books. And um, I just don't think that would have ha- would have happened without uh, the reading break. And the church has done this for me once before. And the focal points in that reading time was membership, biblical church membership, church discipline, Um, some areas that I needed to pour into in order to lead the church essentially on top of what I was regularly preaching to the church. And so we've been here long enough over the past 10 years to see the fruit even of that original reading break Mm -hmm. of how how we changed and repented and grew and what biblical church membership looked like and loving church discipline. So I think it's essential. And I would say just as... Stephen said to the our congregation, who is so kind and and biblical in doing this for me, that if there is members of another congregation listening to this podcast, if you have not considered doing this for your pastor, please do give him the opportunity. Give him at least two weeks of a reading break to either refuel himself devotionally or to be able to tackle some of those topics that he just does not have the time to be able to pour himself into with his regular preaching schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all of these things are important because as, as pastors here at First Baptist, we don't want you to just be filled with um, lots of fun facts about God. Um, we want to teach the Bible. Obviously, we want you to know all of it. Um, but, you know, as A.W. Tozer says, we would, we would stand with this, that the most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you hear the word God. Mm. And we believe that your knowledge of God shapes everything you do. So we wouldn't want to first start with, like, teaching on okay, like here's how to parent your kids better or right, here's how to right. have the best dating relationship. Right. We want to start with what's foundational because God has said that's foundational. He's revealed himself in, in his word um, as an effort to show us who he is. So we want to dive into that and we know that it's impactful and I'm really grateful you had the time to experience that and then you know the church gets to experience the overflow of that. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for today. Thank you all for listening to the first podcast. 
we're grateful for our church, and we hope this has been a helpful time for you. Yeah, and we'll link in the show notes um, some resources. We'll, if you want to pick up that book that we're talking about, Delighting in the Trinity, we'll put a link to that. And uh, yeah. Will you do that? Or do you want me to? Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's you. I feel like that's you, Jonathan. Okay. I'm here for the talent. Yes. <laughs> well, just kidding. Thank you, FBC. We love you guys. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>